This is a podcast from Minute Media. Oh, <laughs> it would be a wolf, but eh? Hello, 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 and welcome to today's episode of Wolves Fancast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. Joining me today, I've got Matt, Little Dan, and Slim Shady. How are we all today? <laughs> good, thanks, you. Yeah, good, good. Um, fresh off the back of watching several hours of hashtag content uh, that Wolves put out, um, which we're going to be talking about today. So for anyone who's completely unaware wolves for a second year running have released their ask wolves series where they have basically taken questions from wolves fans on issues surrounding the club they've expanded it this year from i think they had episodes last year where they had almost like a round table discussion this year they've expanded it to essentially include all the department heads um which personally i think is a really good idea and it gave me personally a lot of insight it's given me a lot of criticisms as well which i'm sure we'll move on to um before we get cracking right into it um the one person i think definitely deserves a shout out for all of this and someone who was consistent throughout all of this was friend of the fan cast johnny phillips Mm, who i think was fantastic throughout it he is, isn't he? He's, um, he's just a class act all round, really. When he was on the fan cast when I was on it, dead early into my fan cast career, he was um, he was just so calm and assured, and he, he has that fine line in between digging for more information but without coming across as being too intrusive or too rude or, or, or taking it off topic either. So he's um, he's a really good fit for this. I did enjoy how he's got the um, the broadcast shoes on as well. When he's walking around with Bruno, then then black trainers with a white sole, like keeping on brand. Yes, yes, I'm glad you. There's a couple of things which I think as we go through a video, uh, as we kind of go through each segment, there's a couple of things I liked, um, but I picked up visually. Like um, we'll, we'll talk about it more in the Bruno section, but all the players had their own little folders on with a picture on. <laughs> like like it was almost like in primary school so we knew who's whose draw was each um <laughs> right let's get cracking um wolves did do it in an order um but we're gonna throw their order out and do the ones which i think are the most relevant and the ones which had the most to say to be honest and were the most well frankly divisive so let's start with your man jeff she um i think this has been the one which has had the fans most up in arms would you say just a bit yeah i know we live in an industrial city but there's so much fumes in the air it's, it's unreal <laughs> there's a massive smog over the black country and it's it's all pouring out of compton now i don't know about you guys um i don't live in a wv postcode anymore um to to my discredit i guess but my question for you is do i class as a social media fan still or an and slash older fan am i not on the same page as new global fans which i think is 
I guess a very good place to start in Jeff She's uh, in Jeff She's interview. Once you're junction two and further on the M54, say goodbye. You're gone. You might as well be worldwide. <laughs> <laughs> you're definitely not a legacy fan anymore. No, I I, I think I'm. Uh, as I say, I, I'm in uncharted territory. I guess as, as a as a Wolves fan. Um, I was gonna say we. I'm really keen, guys, to make sure we don't get the their words incorrect. To be honest, because despite I've watched them all and then I read through the transcripts as well, just to make sure I kind of was getting it right for this. But some of the, uh, it did shock me when I saw it. When you know, he said, uh, "Not sure if we're on the same page." Um, you know, we're talking supporters on social media here for Wolves first team. When you compare, for example. Um, the fan pace around the world, fans from America, fans from China, some fans more interested in esports. Um, yeah, bit bit of an odd way to start, if you ask me. It is, and to start this off in a slightly uncomfortable way, I think unfortunately there are some home truths in this that we, as as the immediate supporter, have to come to terms with, and that we might not be the um the bell of the ball anymore when it comes to what's important for for Fosun and for, for Jeff Shee and we shouldn't necessarily be shocked about that because I think the signs have been there for a while um but as with all of these things in the immediate furor of it all it, it does come across as quite quite brutal and quite ca- and quite callous but when you when you dig down we've we've known all these things all along I think yeah. I just think it's disappointing that this got recorded however many months ago or weeks ago and they haven't had the sort of common sense to maybe tweak some of these things that have been said. They this don't care. It's going to be the edited version. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the biggest worry, isn't it? Well, everything they've said, like Matt said, everything they've said is, and you, I've screenshotted what you put in the group chat as well, saying that you hate how I'm always right. Um, that a lot of us have kind of I, I known. I don't this. think that was the exact phrase he used. Yeah, but, but it, it might as well be. Um, My phone got Amber Heard style. Um, yeah, it's. I don't think any of the, any of this stuff that, that has gone out, they'll be bothered about because they they're just being honest, and they've given us no no reason to doubt that this is gonna. This has been the way for the last three years. Because you look at the transfer windows in the last three years, it's all been the same. <laughs> They've always said the same thing over and over again. And I think it's the, it's how frank he is about it and how he just doesn't care that has got everyone's back up, I think. I spent about 15 or 20 minutes today looking at the transcripts from um, the, the last series and he's pretty much repeating everything that he mm-hmm. said, but with, but with a bit more brutality this time. In his eyes and, and in Fausten's eyes, Jeff Shee's doing a great job, but for football supporters like ourselves, he's he's never going to give us what we want from now on. He's just a money man that is there to report profits to, to Fausten, and that, that's that's his remit, isn't it? Yeah. 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 I mean, in, in his words, it's about the brand. And it's I think something that comes across in pretty much everyone on who we're going to talk about today, who's, I guess, more office-based and less directly on the football side of things. It's very much brand first rather than football backwards. So, like, 
I know Dan, you put some on social media about the amount of times esports was mentioned, and it you know it literally comes up in like that first bit around social media. It comes up in the next because next bit as well about attracting fans, and now part of it, the- sorry, Rich, it, the the Jeff Shee segment it, it it averaged um, esports averaged a mention every I think it was four times every four minutes or something like something daft like that and that was just jeff she's segment alone people saying it's an agenda <laughs> but it's it's there in the facts it's been mentioned way more than what the the football fan wants to hear and this is a frustrating thing because you mentioned it just and what has need to accept it because we've got now saying it we're a brand first football club second now i, yeah. I think i think the issue here isn't so much that they're pushing it's all about that esports so much i think the issue is i think when you think about this logically we don't have the star power of the top four clubs the top six clubs as a brand so to push us as a club to other markets through esports is great if we can break brand awareness is great in theory because in theory we make loads of revenue through other streams in theory we attract loads of other nationalities in that we wouldn't normally attract. And in theory, we generate all this revenue that we can't do through pure ticket sales alone. So it's fantastic. The issue is, do any of us actually believe that that revenue is going to get pumped back in to the first 11, the squad, the infrastructure of, of Molyneux? I don't think we do. And that's the issue. All of the things that Jeff Shee says, I think, make, make perfect sense. I just don't believe him. And that's the problem. Mm. Yeah. And I think the fact that they created this Fosun Sports Group rather than having it under the Wolves name and under our control, well, under Wolves 1990, wherever, even if that is, as a company exists anymore. Um, as soon as they did that, there was kind of, was that last year or the year before when they started kind of having this kind of splinter group of Fosun Sports, which mm. it seemed weird at the time. Like, why would you do that for? Surely under the Wolves name and then it, it gets around FFP for that reason, because then we're making money for ourselves through different ways. This, doing it this way, I don't know if it does, because it doesn't come under money from from the club. It comes under money from the holding group. It, it's just, like you said, Matt, it's, it's dodgy as fuck, really. Yeah, um, pretty much. <laughs> it's, but it's not dodgy as fucking a Man City or Newcastle way, though, is it? No, where's Rubinho? <laughs> Who would be well, Rubinho now? The equivalent of Chiquinho's going to be better than that lad. <laughs> Sorry, sure. carry on, Rich. In oh, terms of like, in terms of what City and presumably Newcastle are going to do, though, Stu, you said in the past we couldn't just pay the fine. Essentially, is it, I mean, yeah. what's stopping us doing it? There isn't, is there really? I mean, apart from transfer embargoes and stuff like that, but that usually happens for more uh, sinister things like tapping up kids, which you also probably have a you know you know about in terms of the footballing sense. Well, the the fine for the um, for the European breach was two hundred grand, by the sense of it. And they'd rather, like Jeff said in the video, though he said about we do things properly, we do things. But and it's like, well, okay, this is obviously a cultural thing. But yeah, you are right. There's there's ways of that these clubs get away with it. And like Newcastle are going to announce this massive new sponsor, which is, I'm guessing is going to be something like Aramco. And they're going to have 10 million a year from that. And 
it's fair uses because the Ramcos will run over F1, and I talked about this on Twitter with uh, Two and Under podcast the other day. Um, that brand is out everywhere, and it's only the same as Etihad Airways on the Man City shirt. There's fair usage, yeah, but the, that fair usage is going to be the top dollar now. There's nothing mm. stopping anyone, like Faust, or any of the Fausen undergroups, like the, what is it, Silver Gate, is it Silver something? The um, the Pram company that they own, that have, you could, there's ways and means of doing this. There's been ways and means for the last six years, but they just won't do it. It's just, that, I think that's the problem for me, the fact that he lies about saying about all the FFP stuff. They could have put 70 million in last season. And this is not bollocks. I mean, you listen to the Price of Football podcast. They talked about it on there. Owner in, how much owners are allowed to put in over a certain amount of time. They haven't put any, yeah, they wrote off the debt, which will go towards the value of the club when they're, if they're selling. But they could, in theory, if they wanted to, invest equity in the club up to about 100, 100 odd million, but they won't do that. Hmm. But and that's for, that's for the a lie for me. That's... that's involved in pharmaceuticals. They have a lot of trouble injecting money into this club. Yeah. Yeah. How many of these have written down, Dan? So I am very much enjoying <laughs> five pages worth here. Keep them coming, lads. <laughs> oh, no. The only uh, thing that I can think though is that sorry, Rich, is that you know there was a heavy, there was heavy talk in the in in Jeff Shee's part. Sorry if I'm skipping ahead slightly about you know the the plans to float the club on on the market and. To do that, to to look to look sexy to an investor, you've got to show continuous profit. You've got to show that you're a steady ship. You know, you've got to show to um, the stock market that you are a reliable commodity. And I've got a feeling that's all that they really care about now at this point in time is making us a sexy asset for investors, as opposed to making us a sexy football club for fans. And it's not the club being floated either. It's Fosun Sports Group that's being floated. Which encapsulates mm. all the other stuff, which is which is again, like what you're saying earlier, is dodgy as anything. Because why would you put all everything in that one group and then float that group as a kind of splinter thing off Faust and International? Mm. I've spent the last year and a half calling you a brat for the way that you've been behaving, and everything that you've been saying has come to fruition, and that's one of the biggest disappointments for me. <laughs> but. After last summer, I gave them the sort of goodwill. Yeah, fair enough. We've all been through pandemic. Them trying to be a bit more sensible with the money, and they're still following this route. And them trying to promote this way of, oh, we've wrote off 126 million pound in debt. But that's they ain't gonna. They want that back straight away by the sounds of it. Hmm. Yeah, like the two things aren't mutually exclusive, in my opinion. Like, and that, that it sound, I sound horribly greedy, don't I? But that's the same thing, yeah. I know, I know. That's <laughs> uh, you're telling me old, old fellows for sale, shocking. Um, but y- you're right, it, it's like we've gone, oh, we've wrote off all this debt, fantastic. It puts us in a very financially viable position. But if you ain't going, well, we can't then spend for five years <laughs> because it kind of doesn't quite defeat the point. But, you know, Jeff, she talks throughout this interview about their, you know, their five to 10 year plans and how, it, you know, it's kind of always sort of changing. And there needs to be a bit more of a financial push for this club to go forward. I mean, we're going to talk about like the academy stuff and, you know, it's got Scott Sellers role and Bruno's role in terms of playing them. 
But there is a very harsh reality that all the work they were doing, you know, with um, Wolves record as well, which he goes on to mention. Um, great. I think it's a really interesting idea for an initiative in terms of promoting what they're doing. But the getting that direct link back to a football club, because the idea is it's the same with esports. Um, Russell Jones says it. Jeff Shee says it. It's like that idea. Well, it's getting promoted to these millions of people. They see the Wolves name and then that's going to make them support Wolves off the back of it indirectly, which will then mean they will follow the club on social media and they'll buy merchandise. That, that's essentially the, 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 the end game, isn't it? It's going to convert yeah. esports people into people who are going to buy tickets, which isn't going to be likely because it's global listener, uh, global followers, or merchandise. And I don't um, no, it, it, it's a very, very long-term aim to get something like that completely off the ground. And I, I admire them for it, but, you know, they're trying something completely different. But to be so non-committal about um, upcoming investments, and, you know, he, he praises, you know, how, how well they've done despite the lack of investment, and that's what it is. You know, Wolves have done well the, like, this season in spite of the ownership, not because of it. And mm. I I really like Nelson Smedo. I think he's been fantastic this year. But you could argue was spending thirty million pounds on him when we did the right decision. If 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 Wolves are supposed to be this canny operator that we are on the you know buy low sell high scheme, um, players like that buying Fabio Silva for thirty five million again really rate him, but they they're some silly business decisions, in my opinion. I mean, the, the last thing I kind of wanted to kind of touch upon on the um, Je- Jeff G uh, segment is him describing us as a corporate, and I know that's that's got into okay. a lot of fans. It's true. I, I don't. I, I don't know why people have got mad about that because that's a fact. I mean. They're, the fact that we're called customers anyway, you, you're in customer service, you don't ring supporter service if you have a problem. That's just that's just the way of the world. That's just one of them things, and I don't have a massive problem with that. And again, he, he was saying corporate structure, wasn't he? He wasn't saying and it's a corporate world. Mm. And I think that's been a bit misquoted anyway, all over, and obviously people who couldn't be asked to read or watch the video themselves have kind of jumped on that, but... That's the Premier League all over. We, we all know yeah. this. It's, exact, it's not it's not Wolfrudians, is it? So no. The exact quote is Wolves is a club, of course, but in the meantime, it can become more like a corporate. So both a club and a corporate. I won't read you the full transcript because we all know I'm fucking awful at reading. Um and I, part of me understands where he's coming from, and you can see it because of these interviews that they have very strong department heads and everything like that and they're looking to be more sustainable and more savvy operationally mm-hmm. but it all falls apart if you're not good on the pitch and that it seems does. to be a big yeah. thing that seems to be a big thing missing and Stu, me and you watch a lot of nfl don't we and mm-hmm. that's the big I, I don't know like when when you see sort of the general manager and that position which is kind of the equivalent to jeff she they are so much more involved in making sure that that squad is competitive to win a championship. Whereas you don't 
get a feel for any of this in Jeff She's statement that what we're talking about here isn't to see Wolves break into the top six. He says we're short of being in the top six. We get compared to Leicester about 20 times in 11 interviews as well. And that, that's what I can't find frustrating is all of this, the, the end goal of it all should be to see Wolves ideally win the Premier League. Right, that 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 that's got to be the mount. That's got to be the top of the mountain, surely. So it's I like think well, it's silverware, isn't it? We have to silverware. silverware. Yeah. How are you yeah. supposed to get people um, in the Far East or or where, wherever on the continent to change whatever football team that they support unless you have marquee players or silverware, which we haven't got? Yeah. Uh, well, I, th- I think they address that by saying we get these these fans in by by osmosis really by getting them in via esports by buying this stupid Fortnite skin they look at it and go oh i like that i'll have a piece of that i'll find out what it's about he, he said some line which i know is going to boil the piss of a lot of people by saying something along it might not have been jeff actually it might have been um uh, it might have been rusting which he said oh someone uh, a young lad had told me that he supported another team but he liked this he liked the this the, the the skin on Fortnite mm. of the wolves team and that, then he went and bought it i mean yeah i get it and the, the whole corporate thing will annoy people, and I, I get it. But the the moment that we were bought by Foson and we enjoyed the riches they initially give us in the championship, we weren't that club anymore, that family-run club anymore, and we haven't been for like five, six years. This shouldn't be a shock to anybody now. Um, we should be in a, you know, a latter stage of... Of acceptance now of grief we shouldn't be at the you know in the anger <laughs> stage at this point we should be we, we should have dull acceptance of it that you know we are we are part of a unfortunately we are part of a bigger structure now and and they are they're going to run it in a way that you know they will claim is, is is to keep us structurally sound self-sufficient to not put us in a you know financial peril should the worst happen um but i can understand why it's disheartening to fans because you know, it's very much prior to Foson. It was very much about fan to club engagement. The the, the bond felt a lot closer. Um, and I think sometimes this Ask Wolf stuff has had the opposite effect because it's a good thing that they're doing. Not many clubs do it, but the message that they put out, it's so tone deaf at times. Yeah. A guy at my work brought up Laurie Dalrymple earlier and I've been trying to sort of get away from him, but... He's made some great points it's made today in regards to Laurie Dalrymple was saying all the stuff that we wanted to hear, but they didn't want saying. And mm. if you have a look at sort of the article that they put out when Laurie Dalrymple left, he didn't. He barely got a thank you for his work at Wolves, which suggests something went on and was he the mouthpiece that was setting them up for a, a, a fall that they didn't want to come? Yeah, if he... Uh, but... You could argue, I think, could, I think you very much should, that his impact has been felt in terms of like what we've missed in terms of someone who's been a very good spokesman. He said, said the right things, even if we didn't want to hear them. Like, I think there was once around like ticket prices or whatever, and you, you accept it because of how it came across. And it's not always been that way um, with Wolves, even with these segments. Um, We'll move on now to the next one I wanted to cover. So I guess we'll cover them in one, but that's Scott Sellers and Matt Wilde's interviews because they kind of tangentially link to one another. Um, we'll start with 
um, Scott Sellers then. I mean, the, the big one considering his his role in the club as technical director very much should be focusing around squad depth and therefore lack of it, um, which was essentially the, the first question that was put to him. Um, I mean, again, his response didn't do an awful lot for me because, again, it was a very much in spite of it rather than anything else. You know, he essentially said, the lack of our squad depth enabled young players to feature. And also, we had our best spell where most of our players injured, where we didn't have any options. But they're not... So I'm, I'm not the only one who thinks that's bonkers, right? But this is a key moment for why Jeff Shee, in his eyes, is doing a great job. If we can perform so well with so many players injured and we haven't had to spend a penny and we're still in the top half. Is yeah. an employee of the month every month. Yeah. It reminds me of working in retail, you know, or like, you know, if you work behind a bar and you're really short, are you really short staffed and like, you can see everyone's busting a gut, but you still manage to deliver. Like you get through, you get through the day and like, no one complains. You've not messed anything up. And the managers will go, Oh, well, Actually, I guess you don't need this extra person. Then you don't need the extra resource because you've just shown you can do it, even if you've worked your bollocks off. And that's kind of how it came across to me that, that the idea around squad set, um, squad depth, um, initially, which yeah, did 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 grate me more than more than it probably should have. Um, again, we we've spoken about what probably every every week on the fan cast about lack of squad depth and needing to sign more players. Um, he, he obviously gives a relatively vague answer in terms of, you know, player signings, but did sort of emphasize that idea of quality over just sheer quantity, which you know, I, I, I'm accepting of, but also no one can tell me Wolves need additional bodies on top of just improving positions as well. Right. Yeah. I mean, you look at it and there's no way that it's going to be fixed in the summer either because this is this is how they want it to be. And the whole point of, and we'll get onto the academy a bit after, but the whole point of the this mad method of kind of gambling with fitness is so that the youth, the young players get a chance and we don't have to spend any money. And that that's genuinely seems to be what it is now and what it's been for a, a long time. The whole thing, I mean, it does make you kind of second guess now. Did Nuno want a small squad, really? Or was he just towing the line, like a few people said on here, which you kind of think, well, who knows? But as as we go along and the whole thing keeps repeating itself over and over again, this small squad thing hasn't changed, (laughs) despite a new manager coming in and begging, almost begging them in the press to change it for him. It's just mad. The whole last back. summer, Bruno asked for four transfers. Last summer, yeah, and got by the end of by the end of this summer transfer window, it could need a minimum of about eight with, with players leaving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eight. Essentially, we need a first team. <laughs> you know, I think Stu, was it you said you reckon we got 12 first te- senior players? Um, I right. I wrote it down the other day. Um. If you if you accept that certain people are going to go, um, then you you look at the lineup and we can get a decent first team out. We could probably fill a bench of eighteen at a, an absolute push if everyone's fit. But that's it, I and mean, that, that and that's counting Kundal and that's counting 
Johnny and Tomato both being fit at the same time. Um, that's getting Sar still being here, which I'm still there's still something in the back of my head terrified that he's going to be sold. I don't know why. Um, no, I haven't heard anything. I ain't heard any three rumors at all. So who knows? Um, I mean, yeah, I was going to say, but in, yeah, in terms of players coming in terms and going, of, yeah, in um, terms of players that we know that have gone, you look at the three who've gone from the match day, the usual match day 18, um, in Sace, Marcel, and John Ruddy. They've said in that thing that they released today that they're in talks with Martino, which is not a great thing to say, is it really? When you think, well, okay, it's the 1st of June now. This should have been wrapped up already. Hmm. Um, and then you have the whole Neves situation, which as soon as he's finished with Portugal duty in the next couple of weeks, then I think we'll know more. Um, but you'd expect both. If one goes, I think the other goes. And I've said that for a few weeks. So you're looking at a midfield of Dendonka and Kundal. With no backup, <laughs> and would what that would that even would that even surprise you if we started on August the sixth? Would that being the the starting lineup because it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me at all. Well, I can say one which is still rumbling on. We thought we got rid of it in January in terms of the saga itself as a diametral and I was a bit annoyed that um, Johnny Phillips didn't press harder in terms of this because the deal was always a pretty crap one in terms of loan with no option, you know, with no obligation to buy and no fee up front but he talks about a diamond trial rate saying that you know he didn't want to say he doesn't want to sign a new contract um and obviously the move hasn't really worked out for him at barcelona i very much doubt he's gonna sign for them permanently do you think there should have been a bit more pressing in in terms of that deal because you know we we've you know i, I don't like it but you know they will describe players as assets there and I don't. I don't like how he, nothing. Ultimately, as it, comments like this force Adama as a person's hand in knowing that he's been thrown under the bus by the club, essentially in a in a public statement that goes out to the entire fan base, essentially telling him he doesn't want to be here. It's a death nail for the player in terms of in the eyes of the fans or a lot of fans at least. So I don't. I don't like that personally. I don't think that we should be that club that talks about. You know, there's being open with the fans, but also I don't think we should be discussing player business quite as much or throwing players under the bus when it then suits us. Because essentially, yeah, that, that's got to affect the resale value of the player. Do you know what I mean? If, if a club knows that, if a club knows that that Adama, another club knows that Adama doesn't want to stay, they can lowball because he's not going to stay, and he'll end up going on a free. I'm 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 off people going mad here, like. It's got to be the case that why would you why would you downplay your prize pony if you're going to try and sell him at market? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. What, what, I was Adama we... purely trying to get the move to Barcelona, or he didn't want to sign the contract because he doesn't want to stay? Now the situation with Barcelona is sort of coming to an end. Does does he does he still feel the same way? He's got no intention of signing a contract, knowing that he might not get this sort of money elsewhere. You need to have a look at that in the summer before you you properly cast your. your, your whatever is your aspersions at him, if that's the right it, sentence. It just seems naive. To, and I know these things are four weeks, were recorded four weeks prior, but it just seems naive of, of the club um, and, and Scott Sellers to be throwing out these kind of phrases and, and, and inferences when you're going to want to then sell that player on. Like, it just seems silly to me. Like, I would never do that for something. If I was going to sell something on Facebook Marketplace... And I was like, mm, not it, not hasn't worked perfectly well for me, but it, it might work for you. 
why would anybody buy it? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Something isn't committed to me, but it might work for you. Someone's going to offer you less. It just seems silly. I think yeah. He, he, I think as soon as it was common knowledge through Spears and everyone that he had, he was had no intention of signing that contract, and that that contract was significantly bigger than it, the one he's on. As soon as that started coming out last September, I think the writing was on the wall then because you think, well, okay, we've offered you money, you've done really nothing at all in four years. You haven't improved as a player. I'm not getting into this again. But the fact that it was already out there anyway, I think, well, the deal was ridiculous. But it, from what I got from it, it seemed like they were pissed off with him. Um, and it was the last throw of the dice to put him in the shop window and just get anything for him. If mm. if what Spears said, and he turned down Spurs because they wanted to play wing back. And that was the uh, literally the only other option we had for 15 million quid at the time. Or take this gamble and send him to Barca and hope he does something. It's rock and hard place, eh? It, it ain't a great deal. On, no on paper, the, deal, but... the loan option to buy for £30 million was a, a worthy gamble, maybe. If they honestly yeah. believe that he would sort of hit the ground running at Barcelona, which he obviously hasn't now. But it's like saying, but no, it's a similar, similar, similar situation with Neves, isn't it? We can't afford to strengthen a rival now. Yeah, it's yeah. put Wolves in a really difficult, um, uh, really difficult spot. To be honest, hasn't it? Um, in terms of other loans, it, 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 we we'll have Matt Jackson's um, in a little bit, but he talks about some of the loan players who have progressed nicely. And again, you've got the likes of uh, Gibbs, White, Sanderson, Giles, and uh, Sarkic as well. Of which that there's potential for Wolves to make. Well. Upwards of, I, I, I could happily argue, forty million. If you sold all those four players, I don't think we can do because, as Stu's mentioned, we won't have a team. But actually, you know, there's <laughs> there, in terms of the technical director stuff, there, there's definitely been, um, you know, positives in terms of that. The last thing I wanted to touch upon in the Scott Sellers interview, and I know we joke about it a lot. He did use the famous line, "I will see if I can find it," but he did say. Look at where we were seven years ago. Mm, God almighty, I hate that. I think the other line for, from Scott Sellers was whatever money that we're able to bring in, he'll be asking the the, the, the owners for, for it to spend. Yeah. I mean, that, that, yeah. Should, that should be a given. Yeah. I was going to say, should I think that's more on top, you silly sod. Yeah, that's literally the last line, isn't it? Um, that one I think I've said before. There's probably going to be some place to move out. I'm, you know, need it to spend on the first team. So yeah, bit of a bit of an interesting one that ended, didn't it? Um, because uh, yeah, I you know, but both of them to be honest. I mean, the, the fact that if, if we're not investing, what would you say, eighty percent back into the team from a transfer? What what are we doing? I think if you're not investing at least ninety five from the Neves money, we may as well just start looking at relegation odds, which I'm currently five yeah. to one. Last time I looked, yeah. Four to one now. Free get in the show and sky better. Than that. <laughs> I was gonna say, <laughs> um, the, the last, yeah, uh, again, you can't compare to where we were in League One seven years ago. Sorry, that, 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 I mean, ridiculous in my eyes. That's like saying I mean, seven years ago, I was, I was working on for minimum wage, but last year I won the lottery. But you can't, you can't look back seven years ago, see how far I've come. I mean, 
his coat was probably well. Was it a coat? Was it a shirt? What the hell was it? Was he wearing? I mean, it, it looked like something from the from the seventies. <laughs> sorry, I can't talk about fashion, and you definitely can't talk about fashion. Oh, but even I wouldn't wear that. I don't even know what it was. Was it a jacket? Was it a raincoat? Just... The jacket, shirt jacket. But I mean, it looks suede. Let's be honest. Can I zoom in <laughs> higher? Zoom and enhance. Looks like a like a Parker coat. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad that we found that the fashion point of no return is Stu. If Stu says <laughs> you know for him, we know it's enough. I mean, like Stu, I know we're like usually polar ends of a sartorial spectrum, but for fact that I don't think there's any middle that you'd think things like that should be middle ground for us, and that's just nowhere on either of our spectrums. Um, we'll talk. I was going to say, we'll talk about Matt Wilde's interview now. So I nearly closed down the wrong tab. Um, again, I head don't of... like this guy. I don't like this guy. There's something <laughs> that's that's something that reeks of chancer to me. And if I see him, I, I will say it to him, but I'll be thinking. <laughs> again, is it for jumper underneath the suit? Because that, 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 that didn't do anything for me either. I know we shouldn't really be necessarily judging people, but that's an interesting choice. If, if I'm going to get interviewed and know it's going to be viewed by thousands of people, I, just, I don't know. wouldn't have been for me personally. He was the one who was promoting false and writing off the £126 million debt as if we should be grateful. Yeah. We should be grateful, but if they wanted... Um... <laughs> It's the ones in the esports team. Sorry, I'm just cracking team. myself up at the YouTube comment. You know. Hey, De- hey, Dean, back off, buddy. Sideburns <laughs> calling in. Sideburns for the uh, audio listen. Did you see their office at Compton the other week in one of the videos where he Good. works? The, the desk that he's got at Compton, it's it's worse than my little cubby hole at work, which you lot have seen. <laughs> Is it, is it like an old school a schoolboy desk? The, no, it was like the, the desk that he had was some sort of old... It just looked like it had been found at a... What's it called? A farmer's market. <laughs> and there just, the, the paper was just all piled up. They had all them like plastic tray dividers of all paper in. And it just looked unorganised. And something's not going right at this club. It's, Stu's had enough. He's had enough of this. The Adama conversations made him run a run a run a run wild. Matt Wild. Shocking. Stu will join know, us again. Shortly. I don't know if it was like uh, something where because I'm just maybe it's just because I'm very very cynical. But the 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 wonderfully pace, uh, placed in the centre of shot one pack badge, everything about it was just felt very very um, sterilised about this interview. It felt very. <laughs> very forced and very pre-rehearsed maybe or just a bit too not slick but so some of the people you you know their heart is in it for the love of it some people you know are towing a company line and that's the kind of feeling i got about this one yeah i think the the first thing that stuck to me and it really did grind my gears is it's the first line which isn't usually a great place to start, but it's important to remember they are an asset when talking about the players. It's like, no, the people. <laughs> so, and like, it's like, no, we, 
I think that felt like the true difference between him in his position of head of football administration or whatever, and when you hear Laura Nichols is mm. in academy operations, yeah. who literally difference. says it's it's about the people, and she was the only one who didn't come across like she was towing the company line, like you mentioned, just yeah, she came across very well. But she did say a few things which I thought, oh, false. And I wonder where you're saying that. Yeah. And what comes to that later on? Yeah, just, I don't know. Like, I, I understand it's literally his job to worry about contracts and assign literally somebody a monetary value. But it did grind my gears slightly too much. Whereas, you know, it, he talks about wage structures and things like that. And, you know, the, the reason why we've potentially been able to keep someone like Nevis for longer is because he has settled here and because he's happy here. And oh, the team yeah, moving... that, that, that robbed me. That did they was talking about the environment that Wolves put yeah, in place. And you know, Matino's been here four years, Neves has been here five and a half years, and all their families are settled. What what has this guy done to make them so settled? Because if what it seems to me, it seems like Neves is the one that's the glue between the group because they all like, they all go around to his house, they have food cooked by the family there. What is this guy doing? Yeah, I bet he shut down the uh, th- that Portuguese calf in town as well. It was his fault. <laughs> like to, to to take it back on 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 topic. Like I I get what he says in terms of like yeah, rightly or wrongly, players have a sale value and they should always be monitored. And we have to you know we can't do things on sentiment and everything else. And listen. I manage people for a living. That's that's what I do. But the conversations that that you have with and, and talk about to your staff members, or the conversations that you have to talk about to what is essentially your customers, which is what we are, and Frozen have made it very clear that that's what we are. Um, again, it it screams tone deaf. This interview, it screams of. I don't know who it's meant to benefit. I don't. I don't know if the the, the people behind this series, or or sort of say the participants, think that by being so frank about the inner workings and the and the trade secrets and and how it runs as a corporate is is going to be a um, a replacement for what Dalrymple did. When actually it just pisses people off more because people want to feel a, an emotional and intimate connection to the club and then talk and, and people want to be in love with the players. Look at what everybody's crying over Neves and rightly so already before he's even gone. And then, but the club talks about them as assets. It's just, it's just tone deaf and it's silly. And you'd think a club with the corporate structure would understand how to talk to people. <laughs> you'd think they'd be the bare essentials. Yeah. Um, there was another thing. Sorry, I'm going back to Jeff yeah. Shea for a moment. When he, there was that one little segment where he said, it's a trick for us to bring up what he said six years ago about us trying to compete with Europe's elite and all that. We we shouldn't be bringing that up. And I was thinking, talk about Matt, it's just tone deaf. You can't just, you can't move the goalpost when you say stuff like that. You sold us a dream, you sold us a project, and now you're selling, you're selling my, my feelings. Yeah. And for me, like I'm going to drag it back to Jeff Shee's interview before we're going to move very much on to Bruno and and carry on. Is that it's not a corporate? Or it is. It's a broad one. It's a community. That's what we buy into, isn't it? It it it, 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 it it's the togetherness of it. Like that. That's what people respond to. 
by and large. And but, the community can include those other aspects like Wolves Record and whatever. But that's what will tie people down, whether it's your fan base or your players or your 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 staff. You know what? I, me being the positive one's a bit of an alien concept, especially for uh, new listeners. Um, but I don't have an issue with this at all. I mean, these people are corporate people. They know the corporate world. They talk corporate bollocks all day long. I don't expect them to have feelings. They're like robots, are they? The the ones who like who talked about players as people were the ones who talk who interact with the players. Yeah. Like, we'll come to Bruno, mm. we'll come to Laura, we'll come to Barry Jonathan. But if they were talking about them as assets and, and commodities, then you like, I think, well, okay, we've got a bit of a problem here, lads. But I've got no issue at all with any with any of the the speak and the gubbins of what they talk about because it's their departments and they're being remarkably honest about and speaking to us as they speak to investors and stuff, which is strangely refreshing. That's it's, what it's, it's know your audience. It's know your audience, though, Stu. Do you know what I mean? It's 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 naive, in my opinion, isn't it? Like I get it, and I don't necessarily disagree with all of it either. Like players are are assets in that you've got to cash in when the price is high, and you've got to sell when they're of no use, and everything else. And people would go on, you know, but. But at the same time, I think it's tone deaf to it's just it's just another case of rightly or wrongly alienation of legacy fans, isn't it? Essentially, yeah. when the, when when I would say what seven out of these 11 interviews are focused on what we're doing as a as a commercial commodity, as opposed to what we're doing for the players on the pitch, the community of Wolves and, and Wolverhampton, the surrounding areas or anything like that. It's you know it's it, it's it's what it implies. I don't I don't disagree I think, with half the stuff they say to be honest. But it's it, I it, think it's, maybe, go on. I think maybe that comes down to the how this has been presented and edited again. Because mm-hmm. last year you had everyone around a table bickering and being odd with each other, whereas this time we had eleven video separate videos over nearly four hours, which mm-hmm. I sat through. Um, if they broke it up into what say three pieces. And said, "Look, this is from the corporate side of things. This is from first team, and this is backroom staff. Maybe mm. then you wouldn't have had this kind of issue because you'd mm, have been, if you're going into a, the corporate Ask Wolves video, you'd be expecting this kind of speak. Maybe that's mm. the issue here. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's a fair point, mate. Yeah, I say don't don't disagree with any of it. Well, we've talked a lot of corporate. Let's take a break from the corporate side of things and go to the pitch side and talk about Arman Bruno." Um, I think this is probably my favourite, to be honest. I mean, we, we know Bruno's brutally honest and, you know, very much says what he thinks. It was done just before the end of the season, I think, um, in the run-up to the Liverpool game, because they made a joke about him literally having, like, his presentation, like, knocking about on his desk. Um, he, he covered a lot of subjects in terms of, I guess, how he embedded into a side and kind of getting things going. Um Overall, what did you think before we kind of go on to some of the specifics? I felt guilty about wanting him sack last week. <laughs> um, <laughs> I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I thought I, I thought he spoke really well. Um, he came across better in that 50 minutes than Nuno did in four years. Um, yeah, really impressed. And you can tell he's actually got something about him and he knows what he wants if these 
morons in charge give him that, that's a different thing altogether. But you can clearly see he's got a vision and an identity and a, a way of playing that he wants to implement. But he's been hamstrung. I mean, there was a thing that he said, he, he only mentioned it once. And he was like saying, hey, we, if we, we couldn't press high because we can't, we get caught out at the back because of the players that we have. Yeah. You think, yeah, there you go. That that means they're slow. <laughs> and we've got Cody and Bolly and Sais who, who can't do anything with, with balls over the top and fast uh, forwards at them. And you think, okay. And then like when Johnny said something about, is there one player, that one way of changing all this? And he kind of skipped over it when he was like, well, we know what he means. He pried twice, didn't he, for what sort of profile of a player he wanted. Yeah. Hmm. Height yeah, that... kind of came, like the, the 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 only thing I could kind of pick apart on there. Um, I will kind of try and dig it out through the uh, transcript, but it is an hour long transcript. Um, was, was he mentioned twice about we lack we lack height? Mm. I think particularly in those sort of wide areas to defend crosses, and I think definitely go in that midfield and up front. We do we do lack a bit of that physicality sometimes because. You know, either side of Cody, in theory, you have Toti or Bolly or Max. They're all, you know, they're, they're all big lads, aren't they? Um, Did we concede much from set pieces last season? And I we got to uh, up until no. James Ward Prayer that one. Considering he's talking about how we got much sort of height in the squad, but we, yeah, we didn't concede many from set pieces, did we? No, I think no, we're, we're, we're really we're strong best. up until yeah. like the last kind of we say the, the end of the season where like everything drops off the rails. Even then, I'm still struggling to think of actual examples mm. of conceding from set pieces like corners. Yeah, there's an interesting. Yeah, I say like lacks height and aggression depending on the lineup. As as I had made Marvel notes, the thing I did like most, and he, he was renowned for it as Benfica, and it kind of very much comes across him being a coach, is you know how much he talked about Max Kilman, mm. and like uh, you know, I think we all understood why he was dropped. Um, but Try, sorry, you know, Rich, go back up yeah. a little bit. That, I that found section the, where he was talking yeah, about um, just speaking in Portuguese, not... yeah, and um, Leander then Donker knowing everything. Does yeah. Leander Den Donker know everything, or was he nodding along and Bruno thought he understood what he meant? <laughs> it's good explain it all, couldn't it? Yeah, there we go. Yeah, Leander understands everything, and you can't go okay. Either Leander Den Donker's very smart and is being very shrewd, or he's just agreeing to it, and which potentially explains a few, um, a few decisions. Um, to be honest, but. He talked yeah. about Hwangi Chen being a good professional and he's, he's always there recovering well. It's probably because he, he ain't really got many friends in Wolverhampton at the moment. He's got nowhere better to be than at Compton. Sitting on the steps with his biscuits. Yeah, yeah. having a quick FaceTime with some biscuits. I did love that. Um, yeah, and again, he talks about Cody. Again, nothing we didn't already know about Cody, if you know what I mean. Like, we know... We know he's a good guy. <laughs> we know he's going to support people in, in, in the club. As you said, we've mentioned about um, style um, a little bit and what he was trying to do in terms of essentially teach movements rather than teach football, I think was the phrase he used. Um, yeah, I, I just just to go back to what we said, I just looked it up. Um, goals conceded from set pieces in the Premier League. We were third best with five all season. <laughs> Yeah. God, 
what they am. Apart from that, like, James Ward prayers of wonder goal. I can't remember what others there was. We had one against Arsenal. I can remember. Uh, I can remember that. Listeners, if you, I was going to say, if you're watching live on YouTube, feel free to let us know in the comments. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, I think a lot I found interesting about Max Kilburn is he does talk about his his development in the first team, um, which is which has been great. But almost says how his development started those few years under Nuno and gradually progressed, and sort of him saying that the likes of Luke Cundland. Chen Campbell almost at the start of that before we potentially see them breaking in what's essentially going to be, I guess, sort of two years' time. Um, but it seems like they've very much got a roadmap for some of these younger players, which I think is really good. It is. I did find it funny when, sorry, Mark, when, when Johnny Phillips asked uh, Bruno about um, if he was looking forward to five substitutions next season, and you, and you just saw his eyes just go, I ain't even got five good subs, never mind having the option for him. Yeah, because he, he says something about... Um, yeah, I'm usually like changing the wing backs, which I'm not really that keen on doing because I just don't have, I don't have the legs to be able to, um, the legs in the squad to be able to do it. Um, another thing I liked is um, he talks about players who have improved from last season. All of them, the ones we mentioned on the uh, review show Sunday night. Just, just saying. Um, Kilman, Smado, and Eight Nori. Yeah, I mean, it's not exactly rocket science, is it? But you know, we'll, we'll, I'll take that one as a um, as a little win. And again, it, he talked a lot, and it wasn't necessarily stuff we didn't know, but it was fascinating to see his direct insight into a lot of it. So mm. you know, he talked about the again the personal approach to players' development and their individual training needs. So like, he used an example around Max Kilman. Um, you know, talking about, you know, being able to play out from the back more and being able to, you know, take the game to players and doing a lot of work on that. And for me, that's fascinating because that surely has to happen for in, in any football team. But to hear the manager kind of be so... You say, usually it's like they keep his, like, industry, you know, secrets, don't they? Trade but, secrets, yeah. Yeah, and, and he was really strong on it for me. I think overall this was... Couldn't have come at a better time, really, in terms of this interview and the fan base, because I think, especially with the run of results that we had towards the end of the season, um, this would have brought a lot of people back in and, you know, into Bruno in camp as opposed to, you know, Bruno out or Bruno ambivalent camp, you know, because this is one of the things where you you can see that he, the, the work he does with individual players, you can see his passion, you can see what he wants to do and, and, and how he looks he's committed to the cause and i think that's exactly what we needed from this interview i think it was re- a really good and refreshing thing to see he comes across so much more confident and assured than you know the first interview he had when he's walking through um, from through the reception at, at Molyneux and then walking mm. through he looked he looked nervous he looked unsure as 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 he naturally would be but when you're the manager of a premier league club and you're a manager of our club you want someone that gives off an air of confidence straight away. And, he, and I felt he was a lot more of that in this interview and will have won a lot of people over, which I think is the, you know, is the overall aim of this. Yeah, com- completely yeah. agree. Like, think... Got you. No, I was going to say, he, he, what he did mention as well, which I completely forgot, that he only had two and a half weeks mm. to yeah. try and change things last summer. And, and that was with 
a squad of kids because everyone was off because of the heroes. So mm. he hasn't even had the chance to put his own. It, well, we tried back four. It was an absolute failure, as we saw last season, well, two seasons ago. No. Um, so, yeah, so even admitting himself that he, he couldn't implement it then and he was still trying during the season to, to drill it into him. I think every everything, yeah, everything that Matt said then about him coming at the right time because I mean I, I'm prepared to leave Sean Dyche alone for a year now, but just <laughs> just give him another chance. Um, He's earned the right, hasn't he? I, I, yeah. I said like last week, if he would have been sacked, I, I would have thought it was harsh, but I wouldn't have been bothered. But he, he's earned the Seen chance. This, Hopefully, yeah. with, with a bit of backing, he can implement what he what how he wants to play because how we started the, the first three games last season. If he can do that in the space of two and a half weeks, what can he do with a full pre-season? Well, we haven't yeah. got pre-season games to play, have we? So what chances he could have got? <laughs> well, don't worry. We've got two pitches, so we'll just be playing like a mirror game. Like I'm yeah. thinking like a weird version of like a Mike Bassett, England manager, where they're playing with like an invisible ball, but it's two half teams to like try to play against each other on two pitches. Hey, listen, there's going to have, there's going to be some stooge from the club watching this because that's, you know, as a focus group, they'll call it watching us here. The fan cast are undefeated in competitive football. Give us a chance. We'll give the guys a game. That's, that's all we ask. I'll, I'll say, because when there's nine, nine right. subs next season, you've got a chance of bringing five on. One of which has got a chance of getting on the bench next season. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I think that sort of covers it from Bruno's perspective. There's loads of like little minutiae as well, um, but I'm keen for us to move on um, to the next one, uh, which I thought we'd kind of chat a little bit about Matt Jackson, um, who has... The wonderful job title, in my opinion, of strategic player marketing manager. Um, basically, it's his job to try and get players out on loan. These, <laughs> and, these, are, these are one of these like those job roles. Like my dad, who was a bouncer, who called himself an exit technician. This is one of these <laughs> kind of th- these are one of these kind of things, isn't it? Really, like you work at Subway and you're a sandwich artist. It's kind yeah. of one of those things, isn't it? Really, let's be honest. But uh, again, not lots and lots of you know, in-depth stuff. He he does use the phrase, there's no such thing as a bad loan. And I went, mm, <laughs> we had Grant Holt. <laughs> um, I mean, I know he, he's very much talking about the young players and getting that first-team experience, which is great. And I think very much highlights, he says, the, the big difference between that first and second loan. And you see how many Wolves players, like those younger players, when they've got, gone out on loan at like League One, League Two level, and then have done one in the cha- done a loan in the championship and have looked the real deal. Um, I understood you know, where that, he was coming good. from, Rich, but you look at Patrick Catrone, we probably <laughs> like covered the majority of his wages while he's been playing Italy. Every yeah. time he's come back, he hasn't come back with any confidence or any desire to like fight for his place. So, it's so what, what positive has come from that loan apart from <laughs> sending a homesick boy back he's- to his parents? He's not here. I think. I think oh, the, he's, not, he's not here. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is literally. He, yeah. Um, like it, it, I, I, I think he very much is on the like young player side of things rather than I guess fringe first teamers. So yeah, it, I, I'm not going to pick him apart for that because actually he's clearly doing a very good job. When you look at the you know the players who've gone out on loan this season, the minutes that they've got. Um, it talks about um, 
the affiliation with Grasshoppers, obviously, that's going to slightly change next season with the new loan rules that are coming in. Um, I would have liked a bit more generally as an overview our relationship with Grasshoppers, mm. um, personally. Especially but... with Olive Fingerina being over there as well, because it just seems sticky. Yeah. And it's like, if, if we're going to do it, just just be upfront and honest about it. Just, just like, are they actually part of the Foson Sport Group? No. No. Why not? Because it would make perfect... <laughs> Ch- Chairman Grow's wife owns, owns it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely it's not like, nothing wrong with it, you know. Yeah, it's not, it's not even like illegal. I mean, you got the whole city football group; they all own, own clubs all over the world. Yeah, you can it, and you can move money around as well, perfectly fine. Be, uh, as a way of doing that, and you can transfer players from one to another, like the um, like Moy was Aaron Moy came from uh, the Australian version of the city football group, but then they were sold to Huddersfield, so. Man City made money off a transfer of a player that wasn't even theirs because of the City Football Group model. So yeah. it doesn't. Again, it's another one of these things that it seems right on the outside, but then it, it, there's something wrong about it. So they haven't got it quite right, mm. and it looks dodgy as a result of that. Yeah, and it's it's not meant to be because it ticks it ticks like eight out of ten boxes, but it's the last it's the last two. But um. Yeah, he, I, I did like Matt Jackson. He, he came across yeah. very well for me. In he terms came of like, likable, wasn't he? And... If I said like a proper football man, mm. yeah. Um, like I think he uses the phrase, you know, we're very well connected with a lot of clubs. Um, it's nice perspective because there's no point recommending a you know a player to a club that we don't believe is a good fit for them. So he seems to be someone who's got a really good grasp on the players, got a good grasp on, you know, the the for 92 football league clubs or whatever, and being able to get the pitch right, hmm. which again, isn't stuff we see on a day-to-day basis in terms of say those lone plays where it's like, you know, we, we want to get them out. So they're not here and they're getting minutes and it all links back to, you know, can we drive their value up, which is why I kind of included him at this point. Um, but yeah, he seemed seem to have got it very much from that football perspective, as opposed to, you know, we talk corporate and stuff like that. You know, he's doing it to improve them. Whereas the corporate person will say, "Oh, they're going out on loan to uh, increase their monetary value to the football club and see the stocks go up, 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 up." Um, so yeah, I like I liked him a lot um, personally. Should we talk Big Vinny? Poor Big Vinny, the subject uh, of so much abuse last year. He, he's <laughs> had a right turnaround this year for me. I tell you, I'm yeah, he has. It's like, he, like he's had some mm. sort of uh, Gok One makeover, personality-wise. Yeah, he, he, he came across so much better on this. Um, I'm, calling it, I'm calling his bullshit now that he was in the Steve Bull in the cap and he hasn't been spotted. Oh, my person. God, absolutely. <laughs> that, was, that was hilarious. Stu, you're our man in the Steve Bull upper. You're telling me you didn't see him. Not I mean, even with those shades on. Let's just address this. I went swimming today... And my eyes hurt because there's too much chlorine in the water. I was going to say, we're, in, we're over an hour into this episode and he's still wearing those glasses. He looks, it's like Ray Charles is doing a concert. <laughs> there's an actual, med- it's not a medical reason, it's because my, my eyes, I'm not used to doing any kind of physical exercise and being underwater was not a good idea today. Any, any um, cool adult would have just said you were like baked, but now you've got chlorine in your eyes. <laughs> yeah. 
these things happen, don't they? See, um, I, I just assume Stu wearing sunglasses inside. I just literally breathe. Apart from making a joke in the first 10 seconds of a show, I was just like, oh, it's fine, just don't worry about it. Yeah. And Aaron's like, like, <laughs> Yeah, I think this is the new look for the new season now. But no, I, I did not see Vinny wandering around in disguise yeah, at all. Queuing for the toilet. What was yeah. the beer that he asked for that he couldn't get? The craft beer. Madry. <laughs> well, you can only, you, in the Steve Blupper, you can only get Carlin or uh, Banks' out of a can. So it makes that you is... wonder, does he even know what we're selling alcohol-wise? Yeah. <laughs> well, everything he, sa- everything he said, like, there's different things in different stands. I didn't know about this this smooth pour thing in the South Bank. I'd never heard about this. This the fast pour mechanism. No, no clue. No one's is ever mentioned they, that. Is that at what all. they got at, um, at Spurs? Spurs the, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Beer um, Moretti in the South Bank strip. Yeah, in the Bottle, in the in the North Bank lower in the North Bank lower like they they sell all sorts you can get chips in the north bank low i believe yeah in the concourse you know what what i think was interesting i thought he was gonna go i thought he was gonna go full bullshit on this and go because he said the line and actually the cues for the food you know wasn't bad and i thought oh no here come the lies the pack of lies but then he went but the cues for the toilets and he was like the choice in the actual kiosk was bad and then the cues for the toilet were, were, were poor and actually, he's probably spot on there. To be honest, the queue, the, the, the problem is, and always will be for the for the for the steeple uppers. You, you, in a developed country like ourselves, you shouldn't have to choose between having a piss or a pint at halftime, and that's and that's the overwhelming. I wish you'd have been as frank about it as that. To be honest, um, but he was pretty spot on. To be honest, I don't, I don't have a lot of complaints from this interview in comparison to last year's, which was an absolute car crash. Yeah, but I think him slash his department slash whatever seemed to have really learnt um, a lot, and like I guess from like some of the changes as well. So, you know, he talks about cast the Castor partnership being a success, and I think one of the big reasons they went with Castor was because they had great uh, control over like the supply chain and actual manufacture of them. So, it sounds like the play up line do with that in, in yeah from what Mary came across didn't he? that we'd basically. Just got the pattern for the logo of Castor, and we were making the kits on their behalf. Is that the way yeah. I read it? Yeah, that, that's how I've in, in, interpreted it. Um, you know, and it's meant that they've been able to essentially sell it cheaper throughout the season. There's been lots of deals and things like that at different points, and you know, it makes more sense now um, mm. because they've not had to buy in bulk to the same degree, and they they've been able to do little initiatives and things like that. And I think, I think there's said, still like seven years left of like the sale as well. Yeah. Um, well, the the, um, the shirts, the the replicas that Wolves make are made in a different place as well. So I realised this the other day when I because the pro shirt that the pro home shirt is made in a different place. I mean, the, this one is made is made in Bangladesh of all places. Um, I'm think I'm sure the home shirt's made in Turkey or something like that. So it's okay. well the the pro shirts. So and I don't think anyone else has done this either. Like Newcastle haven't, as far as we know. I don't think Villa are doing that either. So yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. It, it, I, I did wish that he, he had mentioned the, the the fact that the sale was on all year. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Um, we did so many shirt competitions this year based on the fact that they had a sale going every week. Yeah, it, it, mm. Dan would probably that would message me just going, "See this bar and get one free on t- on shirts." We're like, 
Well, I guess we're doing an RT and follow. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Dino says in the comments he got proper rattled about season tickets, and I think that's a interest. One of the main kind of points to talk about in his section in terms of highs and lows of season ticket prices because. I'm kind of in agreement with him, to be fair. And it was something when we discussed in the group chat, we saw it going around, um, I guess, for comparison for other clubs, as I stall for time while I find the graphic. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Nicely done. Cheers. Thank you. I thought, you know, you might as well be honest. Um, Yeah, so actually, Wolves have a... We're we're 11th, I think, in the league table, as it were. Probably going to end up being... Uh, 12 to be honest, depending on Chelsea season ticket prices for our uh, pricier season ticket this year. And I- I've heard Vinny make this point before in terms of, you know, having the P- the headline grabbing ticket prices. So like, you know, he uses the example of West Ham, which is I think the example I've seen him use before that, you know, yes, they have, a, a really cheap season ticket for like 300 quid. I'm, I'm doing priciest tickets at the moment. But actually, there's very little of them available. And also the highest one, as you can see, is £1,000. So actually, there's there's no kind of middle hmm. ground. They have a couple of very cheap ones. I mean, what I'd kind of say looking at Wolves one, I think Vinny made a, a similar one in terms of it, is that our priciest ticket is... Pretty much bank average. Yes, there have been increases throughout of the last four years. The only one excluding was a COVID year. But you look at the initial cost of four years ago of, you know, 550 quid. That's really low when you look at it. But, you know, um, that that is impressive. And it, it's almost brought us up to market value. And it, paint, it, it it's, it's shitty to look at that in the space of four years and, you know, um, a crap time economically to see it have gone up uh, 230 quid. But it is what it is. I think that was one of the major growths, wasn't it? The fact that we've raised our prices three out of in the last four years. But it's like I say, it was all sort of buzzwords and people finding something to moan at when, if you look at that sort of 549 back in 18, 19, up to seven eight six now. People say, "Oh, well, why are we charging for season tickets? Well, they're more expensive than Villa and Leicester and Everton." But you got to look at the capacity and the, obviously the revenue that tickets come in. People are all, people are always moaning about, you know, cost of living and all, all this. But folks are not on a charity, are they? And at the end of the day, that they're just going to try and milk as much money as they can because they know they've got a expansive waiting list ready to take seats when seats mm. become available. And also, like, the, the Villa example is a good one. They, they've, A, got a bigger stadium, but also we don't you don't know how many of those are at that price packet. They might have a significantly higher portion of pricier season tickets. Mm. Um, so it, it does make it, does make it um, a bit more difficult. Um, I mean, we, we've covered, I guess, a lot of the stuff. That Vinny said in in our shows in the last couple of weeks because yeah. we we talked about the away season tickets um, and, and what they've done with that. They, the fact they're having three tiers of categories for match tickets this season again, 
Um, I, th I think it was a shame that the structure of these is done in the way that it was because at this point none of this was new news but actually as a PR exercise this could have been the first video that was released for like just before the season ticket renewal thing came in for example then it would have been a good PR exercise to talk about you know the direct debit increase into nine but this is one of those things. I mean, am I right in thinking it was always eight anyway? It was never. It was never always six, was it, for the direct debit? That's that had gone down they, to six. Yeah, they bought it in, and then I think there was a lot of backlash for this is, it. This is this is the five p offer offer the price of a liter of petrol for it to go up by ten p again. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, it, 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 let's 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 cut the bullshit through. But at the same time, this would have been a good PR exercise to have actually used as a positive spin for, for not only for Vinny himself, who has, whose reputation was in the mud, but from the club's point of view anyway, it's a shame that they couldn't have released this as a first episode a month ago. Yeah. Um, I mean, missed opportunity really. I mean, the, it was only six months because they couldn't sell season. Well, they wouldn't sell season tickets until they knew the COVID situation. Remember? So mm. we were the last ones to announce prices or anything like that. So you had, you only had six months up until Christmas to do it, whereas beforehand we'd have from May onwards, so you'd have that eight. So now putting up to nine, they've actually done themselves over a bit more um, to be nice to us, which is commendable. And it, I mean, it would have messed me up a little bit as well if it had gone back to eight. Um, but now it can't go down from nine. So you might see this. This might be a ploy next next time around where it goes up to ten months if it's a bit more expensive. So. Mm. As long as it, I presume, as long as it comes in before that financial year buffer hits, it doesn't really matter when they get the money in. As long as it's before then, so they might they might use this again next year. We also thought it was a good thing that the club did that. You were able to like use your um, like ticket cash or yeah. club cash or whatever yeah. it is to to, cut, to pay for pies. You see, ticket. My old man turned sixty five, and with him turning sixty five plus the the cash that he had available, I think his season ticket this season came to three nine eight. Oof. Which, which for a Premier League team, you can't knock that. Yeah. Even if you're in a relegation battle, three and nine eight's good value. Yeah. I asked. You say it's like what twenty quid a game. More. You tell yeah. me. Can't, 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 <laughs> can't argue with it. Um, we'll briefly talk Steve Sutton, um, chiefly because not an awful lot came out of it. So. Can we um, just say about you mentioned yeah. about what away season tickets. No one anywhere has said. Seem to have picked up on this. He, it was very brief, but he said that away season tickets will not be sold in the future. Once, so if you've got one now and you let it lapse, that person will not be replaced by someone new. He said this in the video, and no one's picked up on it. So he did say that. He did say that. The, he did say that though that it's not something they want to scrap altogether, and this will be a scheme that doesn't exist. He did say that. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. But if you like, if like in the past where. If you've got a certain amount of points and you're at the top of the tree points wise, and someone drops out of the special club, then you got you get offered one. That's what they've done mm. for the last few years. But now it's okay. We're going full. I mean, it doesn't really matter, I suppose, because people who haven't got one now have never had one. So from that point of view, it's like, well, you go on points. You've always gone on points. There you go. So it's it's just another one of one of the weird little things. I mean, I, yeah, the, the section the, says it. If you've got an away season ticket, you're always going to be able to renew that. But when those numbers dwindle, we're not going to resell those to new season ticket holders, essentially. Mm -hmm. So that sort of pot will shrink year on, year now. Again, just to open the availability of seats in away ends. Yeah. 
So when when all the old people who've got away season ticket holders die, then them tickets are going to go to everyone else, and you're not going to have this scheme anymore. Which it, it's a relic of a bygone time, I suppose, with the way things are now. Um, and the have you the renewed your season? Have you renewed your away season ticket? Yeah, they come through. Yeah, it normally comes. It's only it's only a month later, eight normally. Um, we haven't had the emails, have we? Yeah, so it's just running things, and because of this now, and you're automatically going to do it, and because of them scrapping the seventy-five percent um, cap thing that you had to attend that many games, you ain't buying up tickets just to keep your ticket, your season t- the wasting ticket anymore. So it kind of yeah. it naturally filters down, which is I went to one hundred percent of my games well. anyway. You bought one hundred percent of away tickets. I think is no, I went no, I went to one hundred percent away games. But the but the audio list, audio listeners won't hear the wink. <laughs> Whereas um, in post, is there any? Is there more of a feckless and kind of ticking box exercise? Like five percent of the allocation will go to ballot. Because one of the lines, that he, one of the lines that he said was, you know, it will give um, fans, you know, for two or three games a season a chance to go. Come on, do the maths. Like that's not. It's, that never will never happen in a million years. You'll be lucky to get one. You'll be lucky to be in a sniff at five percent of an allocation. What's what's five percent of Bournemouth's allocation, Stu? Four. Uh, what, what did we have last time? Was it eleven hundred? <laughs> I thought it was nine ninety, something like that. You're talking like twenty. So, call tickets, it, so yeah, call it a thousand. I've got a silver one. And I don't think I got a chance again a Bournemouth ticket last time. I think no. I think a few silver. Uh, it, it went down to a few silvers who had to go into a ballot last time. That's it, yeah. Yeah. So and I've got no no desire to go to Boscombe for a drink, so I won't be going to that game either. <laughs> so what's that? Fifty tickets? Five percent? Ish. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say that that'll be that'll be a lucky one. Um Steve Sutton section from being the um facilities. Safety and security director. There we go. Um, mm, I didn't get, an, didn't get an awful lot from it, to be honest. I think the fact that no. we're second bottom of the Green League, uh, which measures sustainability, yes. obviously, we've got a um, partnership, a, a new partnership at the moment um, to hopefully impart a bit of an impact. The main thing I liked about it was the Steve Ball stand is safe. Always. <laughs> Always good to get that reassurance, isn't it? Yeah, it's like when you're leaving somewhere and someone goes, drive safely, and you think to yourself, mm, that's, a, what, that's what? an odd thing to say. I haven't like, watched Steve Sutton's section yet, but does he really say it wasn't built with fan comfort in mind? It was just yes. built to get people in and sit and watch the game? Yeah. Yes. That, that, that was um, a direct verbatim. copy and paste. I, 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 I made sure of it. Um, nice work, Jack. Um he was a jack. What, what an example? Why. It's different. It'll be like coming, leaving a restaurant and going, hope you don't get food poisoning. <laughs> and that I... is not built for comfort, is it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, it's so brutalist. I love it. Um, so, yeah, it, hearing that did, did make me chuckle. And hopefully, they've increased the entry capacity for the Steve Bull as well. Um, so, queuing shouldn't be as longer. Next section with. Um, Russell Jones. Um, we do talk a bit more about the Steve Ball uh, stand. So 
I'm going to jump up and around and down with this because we've just talked about Steve Ball um, and basically the cost it would take to develop it. Um, and, you know, there's been a couple of figures banded about, but essentially to increase this capacity by 1,100 seats um, that would give you greater concourse area and basically modernise it all with a restaurant, it's looking at about 16 million. But as he said, it would be closer to 20 and the payback would be over about 15 years in terms of the fee of that. Still, I'm going to go to you first as our as a, res- a resident Steve Buller and be the one who likes to break down stuff like this. If they're in it for the long term, then what's the problem? Over the 16-year thing, who cares? I've said this, year, I said this last year, didn't I? I said if... Mm. They could loan. They could take a loan out against their own self from the from the hold from the parent company and say, "Okay, we'll we'll give you a, a million quid a year." There you go, done. What's the problem? You ain't you pay no interest, then are you? It's not it's not being a sugar daddy if you pay only back. So for that, I don't understand that. I don't understand any of the, the construction bollocks. It makes no sense to me. For put it this way, Portsmouth in League One have spent eleven million quid doing this a similar kind of thing like converting the insides of a, a relic old stand and repro- reprofiling everything and blah, blah, blah. 11 million quid, it's cost them smaller. And they're smaller owned by issue. a supporters trust. No, they're owned by someone who used to own Disney. But Is it, it doesn't my, matter. It's Mike Lysons still own them. It's all very complicated. But the, yeah. the point still stands. They're, they're doing a similar thing and it's costing them 11 million quid. What, the, what they're going to say for the Steve Ball, which is what... I mean, if they actually go ahead with this ever... It solves all the problems straight away. I mean, from that photo I put up on the screen, just you can see that there's massive room there now that all the the offices have gone. So even from that point of view, that doubles the size of the concourse straight away. That means it's not shit anymore, which means they'll sell more stuff in there, which then you're going to make there's more increase in your costs and whatever. There's your profits. Reprofiling the stand, moving the exit, so we haven't got the whole lower Steve Ball to away fans issue anymore. I don't know why this is not set in stone for next summer. It's a brilliant, it's a brilliant idea for something that's doesn't seem on the outside feasible. Yet they've come up with an idea and solution to. I mean, the bit that I was more impressed with was the taking the seats away to use for concerts and and things like that. I mean, that's like really impressive. And you got the the Viking Stadium as well in, in the. Mm. I think it's the US Bank Stadium in America that does things where it, the, the seats fold up like the Stade de France does. Um, I don't think we'd probably have that. It'd probably come in two like, pre-packed things and you'd be put somewhere else. But still, it's a bit, it's forward thinking and I like this kind of thing. But will it ever happen? No. So, <laughs> we might as well just forget it all. It's been mentioned to all because it's one of the... It, if this doesn't happen in the next three years, I'll be more pissed off than any of the others because this has actually got practical and economic solutions and no downside at all. Yeah. Um, uh, it's something, if a club wants to progress and they want to keep pushing match day stuff, then that, that's, a, it, it, for me, it's the clear and obvious step. Um, again, this Obviously, in in terms of Russell's role, for anyone who doesn't know, he is the general manager for marketing and commercial growth. So obviously, this is very much centered around 
um, the commercial side of things. It doesn't take us too long uh, to get into the lovely subject of, of esports, um, which, again, I, I, I do find fascinating because it is. I, I have zero knowledge in this area, um, but you know, the fact that we own a, a, a an esports team that's got twenty million social followers and their star player, their goat. For LeBron James of esports, um, as it were, has more social media followers than Mal Jimenez, and we're starting to see commercial value from that. But yeah, I was, I, I was playing up front, then, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll say it again for those at the back there is nothing wrong with us investing and having an esports team. Nothing, there is nothing wrong with us developing and grabbing other eyes and by, by other means revenue from other areas if you were doing it just on football alone that would be a problem why you know if you've got resources available to you why not use them and we've built this we've built this esport conglomerate so there's absolutely nothing wrong with it same with the music stuff there's nothing wrong with it we're fixated at the moment on this idea that they only care about this and that will be proved when all this amazing revenue comes in and it's not spent. That's the issue. There's nothing wrong with esports. Esports shouldn't be a filthy word that it is on Wolves Twitter. What should what we should be pointing the finger is, is the fact that actually we're not actually spending any, we're not reaping the benefits of it. That's mm. that's the issue. I don't think we should like we've we've got to move with the times, unfortunately. Like, you know, it'd be like Wolves putting all their eggs in the basket of terrestrial television when when streaming is the new thing. Do you know what I mean? We've got to move as a club forward in that area. But the bigger worry is that we're not actually... It's lining the pockets of folks and not being invested into the team. I mean, the big thing about this, they um, that eSports shirt that they all wear, I quite like that. And I, I tried to go and I thought, oh, I wonder how much it is, just out of curiosity. I mean, it's... <laughs> As you'd expect, I have watched a bit of esports in my time, um, but I thought, okay, if if we've got this whole thing and we've got a whole new market to enamour, how much are they selling these shirts for? Not in the club shop, not on the website. Can't buy it. What's the point? You've got th- you just said thirty million followers. You've got a shirt that the the goat of whatever game that is wears, and you can't buy it. Why? You can buy all. You can buy things that don't exist in game, which is yeah, great, fine. And he, he, there was the quotes about the um, 1.5 billion dollars in um, f- that EA make every year from FIFA yeah. Ultimate Team please, and stuff like that. Don't. <laughs> Mainly from you, um, but again, it it just seems a bit half-assed. Like they'll do the easy stuff, like create things that don't exist because it's ones and zeros on a screen, but then. When you have actual physical merchandise, which they've already shown that they can do brilliantly with the Castor deal, they don't sell. I f- I yeah, just, again, because shouldn't it? Because it should be a two-way. It should be, in my opinion, shouldn't it be like a two-way street? So I said, like, I, I don't know much, if anything, about esports, but I'm fairly open-minded for stuff like, hey, I, I've taken on a real passion for American football. Um, you know, without ever physically watching a game or whatever, like live. Now, if a club were promoting esports to me via like 
I don't know, via this Wolves team, saying, oh, well, if you like this, maybe try this, then I'd probably give it more of a backing. Like you say, Stu, you go, oh, well, I'll buy a top. I'll support yeah. it in that way. But there's a market think... there, and obviously we ain't exploiting it, are we? Because there's yeah, people I mean... like Stu who will buy a flipping Fortnite skin or whatever it is. No. In in reality, or whatever strip it is. I mean, how much money does a does a skin cost on Fortnite? Which is surely we should be getting some cut of revenue if it's directly involving our club. But where's that money going? Yeah. I like how we're all putting poison because we're all, we're all of the same sort of opinion, aren't we? For, yeah, it, this it, is a rare, this it, is a rarity. It's left us speechless. Yeah, but actually, you know, like we, I guess, like we're all passionate Wolves fans and. You know, I, I do admire what particularly uh, Russell does in his department in terms of, you know, we're trying to do things differently. We are not following the status quo um, into into building, a you know, into growing a football club, which is... That was, which that is was one of Russell's comments, wasn't it? If we just do the same as every other football yeah. club, we're never going to catch that elite six. And I, can, I completely get it. There's some really, you know, high-level stuff, in my opinion, on that. But make it accessible to us. So again, so, so they they do things with Wolves records as well. And again, that Wolves record artist should be like the basically the only thing we hear on a match day, mm. on any on any YouTube compilation or whatever like highlights. It should be that music. That and again. That may be like the path that they are going, and it doesn't surprise me at all. But yeah, I think Stu, you've, you picked up a really good one about you know, oh, we sold we sold two thousand replica shirts in forty eight hours, or no, these replica skins or whatever it is. But yeah, um, it's so when they had, they had the um, you could where you could buy Wolves the digital version of Wolves t shirts in the NBA game. Yeah, I mean, why? Who cares? But the fact that you could do that. Great, and you could actually buy them things physically anyway because they are in the club shop. Makes perfect, brilliant sense. And I know they, they do all this mad shit in China where they've got all the walls fashion and stuff. Which again, let us buy, please. Um, I mean, the the one with the with the FC badge that that you say you wouldn't wear that tracksuit in Ashford Park because I would. We don't the have the thing is, we're, laughing, we're all pissing ourselves in, inside, but there is a market out there, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. Or at least give, give, give us the chance to see if there is a proper market. Mm. That, you that, don't that even have mind. to. Yeah. If you've got this Chinese store, which they have, you don't even have to. I mean, even if they put premium pricing, premium shipping on, and cost and whatever on the, on the, on the website, if, you, if the people want to buy it, just let them have it. I think this is an element of, one region. I think this is an element of actual validity when people think that the local fan is is of less of less importance to to the club owners than the international fan. And this is a, one of these fuels to the, to the fire things, really, where you can understand that you know on occasion, where you know or you know a lot of the focus is on the international market, rightly or wrongly. But there are little things. There are little cute ideas that the Fosun can do that I think there there is, is an oversight at the moment stuff really like little it's it's a little easy wins and uh, you, you've nicely pulled me back on um back on track Matt uh with you know his his line every fan adds value and 
great. He says even the social the social followers add value, and you know he talks about e commerce and you know promoting the Code Red documentary. But yeah, if all ads all fans add value, we go into the same shared part, um, which I guess loops very much to Stu's kind of main point, isn't it? About you know while we're part of the Foson Sports Group, this should be the you know wolf 77 sports group or you know something something like uh like that um big snippet for me um that came out from this is the fact that the man bet x um mm. is is uh the, the deal's coming to an end and we'll be getting a new um front of shirt uh sponsor come up next season which i think will be uh which i think will be interesting a welcome change i think for a lot of people yeah haven't the government put some sort of stipulation out that they're supposed to be like banning gambling companies from Sherton? Yeah, yeah. I know um, Crystal Palace have got rid of. Was they with um, WATA at all? No, yeah, yeah. They they got rid of their. They've gone to Cinch, so be interesting to see where Walls will go down that route. I've heard a couple of things, but what I what I got told, I feel I've I've been set up, so I'm not going to say. Couldn't... Yeah, it's ne- it's next summer that is that that proposal um obviously because of people who are, and it's kind of it's one of them things if you've already got a pre-arranged deal then they'll let it dry down on its own but i think they were talking about that coming in next summer so if they if they wanted to be super greedy then they could go and get some another one <laughs> but it doesn't seem like they're gonna yeah um i guess all will be revealed on that one and we can you know we can take wild bets on who will give us lots of money to display their sponsor um, well, the big thing, sorry, Rich, that Russell yeah. said was that we're 17th in the Des Moines Money yes. League, yet we're struggling to compete with Portsmouth on stadium refurbishment. <laughs> Mad. Yeah. It, it's because we don't have, we, we don't have liquid cash. That's, that's the thing, isn't it? That we, it, it, because of, I guess, this self-sustainability or whatever they're trying to promote, they don't. I don't know whether they don't see it as an importance or as a as a number one priority. And you know, inevitably there will be Wolves fans, local and globally, who if we say we're we're spending sixteen million pounds or whatever it is, call it twenty, on developing the Steve Ball, that'll give us a thousand extra seats or whatever. You could see fans go, well, hang on. I remember twelve years ago, I was doing something similar with the North Bank. Which meant, which decrippled our transfer budget, and we ended up getting relegated. Or people say, "Well, that was a reason." You know, we didn't sign someone for sixteen million. Now, I don't agree with that. As I said, I don't think the two things should be mutually exclusive. But people are always going to find something to complain about in terms of how they're investing investing in in the club. And at the end of the day, as Wolves fans, that the primary investment for us is what's going on on the pitch because that's that's what drives the revenue because you know us, us fucking up the last three games of the season in particular we lost five million mm. was it something like that mm. Stu? i'm, I'm now 4.4 that is essentially how much um add that to the money we're going to lose on a dharma on top yeah someone's head needs to roll yeah like i'm but literally, that 4.5 million basically pays for Jaumatinho for a year because he's probably going to have to take a wage decrease because of his age. He's not going to take a wage increase, you'd, you'd like to think. 
don't know. Any, anyway, I'm going off subject, aren't I? Um, but yeah, it, in terms of little extra bits, um, you know, as as Russell Jones says, their, their, their priority as a club remains the same, which is, you know, number one the team, number two the training ground, number three the stadium. Well, okay, well, you could mix up number two and three. I I, I guess to a to a degree. Um, he talks Wi-Fi in stadiums, which. You know, I, I get. I, I don't need Wi-Fi. I just need slightly better data opportunity, and it's not because I'm so obsessed with you know wanting to be on Twitter or as someone said watch Netflix in the stadium. It's not about that. It it's it's the the most common form of messaging people is um, WhatsApp, and you know, can't sometimes like people to know where I am. That's that's sort of my opinion on. On Wi-Fi, uh, on Wi-Fi anyway, um, and the fact that NFTs and crypto are on the club's radar as well. Because they are. Wouldn't surprise me if we got a crypto sponsor. Well, we had one. No, I mean proper shirt sponsor. I mean full, full shirt, official shirt sponsor. Yes, yeah. I'm uh, complaining about the. I'm complaining about the Wi-Fi when I'm tr- when I haven't got the opportunity to cash out on my over two point five goals bet I put on once again. Yeah, can t- can see that happening a a, a lot. <laughs> um, mm. To be honest, um, we, we're just going to quickly knock through the last three because I don't think they're impactful. Apart from I, I was going to say, apart from um, Laura Nichols is one because um, I thought she probably came across the best as we sort mm-hmm. of already noted she don't she doesn't come across as a yes as a yes person um i mean i know she she's been part of the wolves foundation obviously been around the club for a while but she she came across fantastic for me in terms of the openness around some of the ideas of what they're looking to do with the under 23s and the, the wolves women how they're it, it's becoming all much more joined up um which mm makes obvious sense for me um and yeah you know as, as i sort of said her and bruno being i guess people focused she she literally uses the line it's about people first making sure that they're equipping these young kids up for the rest of their lives and i thought that was really good to hear personally it was it was you know at the end of the day it's nice to have that human element in what has been a lot of corporate jargon, isn't it? So it's 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 good to have that. Um, it's good to know that we have some form of morals within our framework, I guess. Um, and looking yeah. after the looking after the you know the kids that um, won't make it through. You know, I think one of the phrases was um, I'm not sure if it was through this one. Um, they'll always be Wolves alumni, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, you know, sure. it, it was a good. It was a good. Um, attitude to have and well needed really um you know there there is still because some people all they care about is clamoring about the that side of it and it's good that we had that yeah that thousand percent um and yeah sort of say the coach isn't king football isn't the king it's people and you know again uh, full credit and interesting to see her development in in wolves to be honest Mm -hmm. um because you know that's the sort of person you want Oh. Yeah. She did come across very, very well. 
before. She did. And I was very jealous of that um, alumni uh, footballer that's been on seven tours around the know, world, right. playing for what from Dubai to wherever he went. And I think, you know, it was it was all right just getting to flip in Spain to watch Ripping Walls versus Espanyol. But that lad dude has had seven tours around the world. I was jealous of him. Absolutely. Welcome back, Rich. Hello. Welcome back, Rich. <laughs> Stu, Stu's conspiracy club is going wild in the... The, I think the club are onto us and they're trying to trying to DDoS us, trying to get us out of uh, out of commission. They'll never they'll never break me. Don't worry. They'll never <laughs> find me in Costa <laughs> <laughs> Um But yeah, um, again, I, I quite liked. Um, I guess her counterpart in terms of Jonathan Hunter Barris as well. Um, a wonderfully posh name, um, to be honest, but. You know, again, his role is very much on the playing side. He wants players to develop, obviously. He wants us made to go through to the first team as possible. Um, yeah. I don't know if you guys had any, any further thoughts on, I guess, what he had to say, um, to be honest, apart from um, the fact that it's not age-related, it's ability-related. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of those, really, like, because of the length of some of these interviews, and rightly or wrong, not to diminish, I'm sure, the hard work that he does these is one of the like one of the later videos you watch because you know where you are with with some of the things you know some of the levels of importance of some of these things i think um so it, it's stuff that you 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 hope that the club is getting right and it's nice to see that some of these things around the people side are, are in good hands with people that you know obviously know what they're on about yeah yeah completely agree um and i, I guess to again wrap up um, was um, was the good doctor um, Shakraverti. Apologies if I've mispronounced the A to that, but he's um, you know he he's our, our car, uh, head of performance and medicine. That's his official um, title. Again, n- nothing that I guess we didn't already have a bit of an inkling in. Um, I liked the balls analogy he used: the lair, pack, house, and hunts. Um, which I thought was quite interesting personally. And of course he talked about, um, you know, the injury record and basically they inherited a knackered, you know, battered up squad, to be honest. Mm. Burnt out handbrake. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, again, not, not sure there was a huge amount. Again, nice insight. Bit of a bottle episode. I think so. Honest. I think it's one of these where you, 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 I think the club don't want to go half fast. If they, 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 the, the whole purpose of this is to give insight. So there'll only be somebody more, um, you know, there'll be somebody out there on Wolves Twitter that's annoyed that we haven't done a video with the tea lady, let's be honest. And yeah. the, you know what I mean? You can't play with all the people all the time. But this is one of these where I think that, you know, the people want to see it. So let, let's, let's just put something out as a maybe a, a bit of a box ticking episode. Yeah. We just need to get on the aspirin inhalers. All the other elite clubs are on. Aspirin inhalers, was that? Asthma. Yeah. Oh, the aspirin yeah. inhaler, yeah, of course. Of course. Those naughty, naughty scouses. Or just whatever Pedro Neto had in the off-season during the pandemic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, he bulked up somehow. It might have just been lots of extra time with gym and natural development, which... According to the fancast lawyers, is what I should be saying. Yes, exactly. Nice, <laughs> um, nice, nice anyway, I, I jest. Um, that we that's all the interviews, guys. Um, I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna wrap it up on one question: Who was your winner and who was your loser from it? 
Um, my winner was the hamburger himself. I mean, I can't use that that picture anymore. I've got to put him with a halo or something, or some kind of uh, on a on a floating rug of rug of gold because I thought Vinnie Clark was superb. Um, I was going to change that red that red angry emoji face with a cap on. Yeah, he was. Um, I thought he was excellent, and everything he said was made perfect sense compared to compared to last year. I mean, he he's if if you uh, you're using an expat, he's been on the bigger journey um, oh, than anyone else. Um, I mean, the villain obviously is Jeff Shea because the bloke seems like a fucking idiot and he's got no clue what he's doing. But that's it just, just me. seems to me that he's just got too many roles. We've said this before, Jeff Shea. When he made the comment that he was on the phone to Warner Brothers the other day, I was just like, just imagine a scenario: you got someone from Barcelona saying, "We've got this lot," you know. We've got Prig available to you. Hold on, I'm on the phone to Warner Brothers. That's my mindset now with him. Last year, he was, he was, you know, he was sweeping up round round Compton. He was doing every single job on, under the roof. And now he's, he's on the phone to Warner Brothers on top. He's supposed you to be at... the chairman of this football club, but he's chairman of Thousand Sports. And obviously, Wolves aren't the main priority, it seems. Yeah, yeah. you look how old he is now. Look at how much he's aged. In the, I mean, the, the pictures, even the, the, the clips that they showed themselves. I bet he ain't even the... finished that bag of Banksies yet. No, exactly. Fraud. Um, I mean, you look, if he drank the Banksies, he'd look beautiful like me. But he's, he clearly, I mean, he looks like he's been here for about 20 years, let alone six. <laughs> and you are right, though. He, he shouldn't be doing what he's doing. He's, I mean, it, it, the way he was talking as well, it, it was like he was saying that he was doing things so that he doesn't get sacked, rather than <laughs> rather than yeah. the, for the good yeah. of the club. Yeah. There was definitely one line along them lines where he pretty much said, "I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm not just doing it for the fans. I'm doing it so I'll keep my job." Yeah. Just mad. he's got to go. He's got to go, Frank C. It was the same um, good and bad for me, really. To be fair, um, I was impressed by by Vinny's candidness i suppose but like he was a lot felt like a lot more relatable thankfully he never gave any of the comments of you know i'm working class too you know because i know that threw a lot <laughs> yeah. of people the wrong way last time um it was um it was a much better and then you know jeff jeff's was just just tone deaf as i said you know the, the, there is a more um political way to say that you don't give a fuck about the women's team there was no yeah. like the way he did it was just like i was like oh my god particularly like, the, when you've got an episode with yeah. <laughs> not, not the head of balls women but yeah uh. like the like the, the world that we live in now like it was just it was just, I'm just like wow like i almost respect the brass balls on him to just talk about how little he cares about the Wolves women team to be honest they have done a great job giving us the facilities to um, let them train at compton they didn't have to do that. Let them try to Compton, did they? Really? No, and I, I do like how they. I mean, in one of the videos where they were talking about how the the ultimate plan has to be somewhere permanent for the um, for the women and the uh, under twenty threes as well, like mm. the like the Man City mini stadium idea, which obviously on a smaller scale. Um, I do like that idea as well. If it'll ever happen, probably not. That was uh, else. that's what I mentioned earlier about. It was a nice idea, but Falson wouldn't have liked to say in that. Mm. No, who is she well, to was... suggest that we should build these uh, a stadium of their own in this densely populated city of ours? 
There was yeah, a lot of things. No, it was the fact that no, she suggested it and then said, Well, we'd have to get people there as well. And like the next question was about travel clubs. Like, yeah, hey, great idea. It's key. Visibility is key, isn't it? And you go, yeah, it is. It's like, so hang on, we're gonna have to put buses on as well. <laughs> Even free. Yeah, I think it was it was Matt Call of the Wild who said it about um, the one thing about that we can ask Fausen for things and they might say no, but they might say yes or something like that. One of them said it somewhere um, where it instigated that if we wanted something, Fausen would just give it us anyway, like it's no problem. And it all seems to be that the evil Jeff is saying no because it's all it's his little game. It. Hmm. It's a bit concerning. So, when when was last time Chairman Grow actually came to Molyneux? Pre-pandemic. Yeah, 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 because he wouldn't, would he? Um, so yeah, so he's talking three, two, three years. Yeah. Tricky, you you made think. a good point in in the notes, Rich, in regards to were were these guys on a hiding to nothing during this series? Yeah, I mean, that, I think that's a good place to to end it on. To be honest, because uh, you know, I fully admire the club for for doing it for you know, right or wrong, they, they fronted up. I didn't particularly like how some of them necessarily came across um, with some of the, you say, the, the language they used, not necessarily the answers. Um, but yeah, I guess, yeah, do you think they were on for hiding enough or do you think they have changed some people's perceptions? Because there's going to be some people who, who this won't have changed. And, and frankly, I'm fucking shocked that Stu, of all people, has changed his opinion on most of the people on this in a positive way. So like it's definitely well, for me for my opinion, it's worked. Yeah, I mean I don't think that I don't think that, that was the aim. I mean just to change my opinion, but that I am such an influencer that I have this power. But <laughs> I think Bruno came across really well, like we said, and I kind of feel sorry for him now and that these morons are kind of hampering what he wants to do rather than the other way around. Um and like we said that it wasn't even saying the right things. He was like even Russell kind of hinted at himself. Then he said, oh, "I got a lot of stick last year." Like he's on mm. Twitter. He knows. I mean, everyone was tagging him in all, all this stuff last year about to where he was talking about the Mexicans, and he even acknowledged that, saying, "Yeah, when Raúl leaves, then obviously we're not going to keep them all." Which is again what everyone said last year, which was common sense. But I think a lot of them have seen how popular, well, popular, how many eyes this got last year. And they've been more, well, they've not even been media trained. They've just been more honest, apart from Jeff. And well, maybe no, maybe Jeff is too honest. And maybe he just is that incompetent and he doesn't care. I just don't think he's a football man. And I think that's what's going to stifle us. I I, I just think that he's, uh, that you said, like, he is Foson Sporting Group now rather than Wolverhampton Wanderers. And it's like, great, if they want someone to, oversee all these different areas fantastic but we need someone who is the the spearhead of of this project quote unquote jeff and... needs to do such a good job as chairman of thousand sports so he can be relieved of his chairman role at wolves and go back to living in in, in china which i assume he wants to do then live in wolverhampton yeah because like because can he not just be chairman of you know i'll be chairman of wolves but then have a chief exec in like which like the good old I days. Think, I think that chief exec might be Olaf and Johnny, you know, in a few years. Mm. Conspiracy mm. club. Do, 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 do. 
yeah probably a good place to have a show to be honest in it <laughs> before, yeah. before because we've really knocked out two hours of content and i can feel us going down the rabbit hole um big thank you to everyone who has joined us live on twitter facebook and of course youtube um make sure if you haven't already to like share and subscribe um we'll be back um in the coming weeks there's no we're in the off season now but we will be back to discuss any important and interesting balls news as well as well as hopefully a couple of interesting one-off episodes as well um big shout outs to our sponsors pixel yeti media and 90 min football um and make sure you follow us on social media at walls fancast on twitter facebook instagram and youtube um for all your latest wolves lols and trolls until next time it's goodbye from matt take it easy everybody look after yourselves it's goodbye from shades must you god save the queen it's goodbye from dan it could all be a ploy to avoid inflated transfer fees <laughs> it's good enjoy your summer it's goodbye from me guys see you next time